0: Hey everybody and welcome to Well Said, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hills podcast where we talk with students, faculty, and staff about what's going on on campus and around the world. And today we're talking hurricanes and the deadly storm surges that come along with them with Rick Ludick, Director of the UNC Institute of Marine Sciences. Let's start with the simple question of what is a hurricane? How do they form and how do they work?
1: Well, a hurricane is a strong tropical cyclone. A tropical cyclone is something that develops typically over water. Well, always over water. It it actually takes energy from the ocean. They have several preferred generation zones. One is off the west coast of Africa and another in the Gulf of Mexico. And occasionally they'll form in the southeast Atlantic or in the Caribbean. So they're oftentimes manifest from very strong sets of thunderstorms that get a little bit of rotation added to them. And then they create what we call, again, a tropical cyclone. And there are several stages of them. So there'll be a tropical depression. If it gets a little stronger, it's a tropical storm. And then if it gets stronger than that, it becomes a Category 1 hurricane and then all the way up to a Category 5 hurricane, depending on how strong the winds are. How big of a threat are hurricanes to North Carolina? North Carolina is one of the parts of the United States that is most susceptible to hurricanes. Hurricanes have an interesting track, and and for a variety of reasons that have to do with large-scale weather patterns and, and the rotation of the earth, in that they tend to start out traveling from east to west, and then at some point they start to curve towards the north. And if that curvature occurs in the southwestern Atlantic or even, you know, the eastern Gulf of Mexico, then it will oftentimes bring them up the southeast U.S. coast. And North Carolina isn't a flat part of the coast. It juts out into the ocean. And so it just sits there almost like a catcher's mitt catching these things as they come north. And so we tend to be one of the higher hurricane impacts of any state in the country. You know, one thing is to get hit. The other part of North Carolina that makes it, uh, you know, problematic is is that the coast is very low and very flat. So if we do get hit by a storm, then we're very susceptible to flooding associated with it.
0: And that flooding that you just mentioned is something that's associated with the storm surges that come along with these hurricanes. And that's a topic that you studied for quite a while now. So what exactly is a storm surge? Storm surge is is, uh,
1: basically has two parts to it. It is typically considered to be the, the non-normal change in water level that's due to a storm. Now, what does that mean? Normal is what you would normally see with the tides going up and down or things. and say fair weather behavior of the ocean. And the ocean doesn't stay at a single level. It's, it's high tide, low tide, and, and, and rivers run off and things. And so in the absence of a storm, you have, a, have sort of a situation of, of what normalcy is. When a storm comes along, it changes things. And for a variety of reasons, it, it pushes the water around. And it's that pushed water that we associate with storm surge. The The other piece to that is, is that you will oftentimes get a lot of rain associated with storms. And, and so you have ocean water, which is the storm surge. Then you also have the precipitation and the rainwater, which adds on top of it. And if you're at the coast, if you're in an area that's seeing both of those things, I'm I'm guessing you don't really care what the source of the water is. You're just worried about how deep it is and and how how long it's going to be there and how much damage it's going to do. But officially the storm surge is that ocean water that gets pushed by by a storm as it comes through. And it can be a a nor'easter, it can be a wintertime storm, but the strongest storms are the hurricanes. And so those are the ones that we have to pay the most attention to
0: are they the main culprit behind all the damage left behind from a hurricane?
1: The storm surge definitely causes the the majority of the fatalities and a majority of the damage as well. And the problem is, is that with fatalities, people, if you get hit with severe winds, then as long as a tree doesn't fall on your house or something doesn't actually hit you, then oftentimes, you know, you can come through a hurricane winds with your life, water is not nearly as forgiving. So if you are in an area that's flooded, the strength of the of the floodwaters themselves can wash people away with them. And and of course there's waves on top of that. So it's a it's a very hard to resist, but also you know it's hard to get around or through. And so it's just not very forgiving. Obviously if you're out in the water individually, then it's a problem. But they're also very damaging to structures. So if you're in a house and that house, you know, starts to come apart due to the, wave, the water and the waves, then uh, very quickly you find yourself in the water. And, and, and again, at, you know, in a very difficult situation.
0: How long do these dangers of a storm surge hang around? Is it something where once the storm leaves the area, everything is safe? Or do the storm surges linger and cause more damage long after the storm has left the area? Interestingly, and this is something that I think
1: people haven't appreciated, typically you consider the, the worst of the storm surge or you associate the storm surge largely with the land falling of the storm or when the storm is very close to making landfall or very close to land. Sometimes in North Carolina they kind of skim along the coast and they don't necessarily cross the coast but they just skim by it. But we tend to think about the storm surge as occurring primarily when the storm is right on top of you and indeed that is when the worst of it occurs. But these tropical storms and hurricanes have a pretty large spatial extent and if you've ever looked at any of the satellite imagery of them you see that they they are big storms and so in fact the eye can be well offshore the eye can be a day or even a day and a half to two days away from making landfall and you can still already see the impacts of the winds pushing the water around and so one of the things that we probably need a better handle on really is the fact that you know you can't just wait till the last 12 hours before landfall and say okay i'll deal with it then it really starts to impact the area several days in advance and you certainly see that both with the storm surge and the waves that are associated with the storm because the storm will will stir up waves when it's out in the ocean and those waves will then propagate ashore so where i live in moorhead city oftentimes we'll see a steady stream of cars coming to the coast A couple days before the storm and they all have surfboards on the top of them so you you see the hopefully the the well seasoned and, and knowledgeable surfers coming to catch those big waves as they start to come to shore well before the hurricane gets
0: there when looking back at storms of the past decade or so when you're looking at sandy or katrina it seems like these are getting worse the storm surges are causing more damage why is that happening is it that there's houses being built where they shouldn't be Are the storms actually getting more powerful? What's going on? All of the above. There's been a major flux of people over the
1: last half century to the southeast and gulf coasts. In fact, the population in the coastal counties along the southeast and gulf coast is growing at double the national average, whereas the population in coastal areas of New England is actually shrinking a little bit. So the number of people and the amount of property, the amount of buildings, homes that are in harm's way in in areas that are are highly susceptible to hurricanes has grown substantially. And so even the same number of storms, the same exact response today versus 50 years ago is going to elicit substantially more damage. We also have evidence that as the climate is warming and, and changing, that storms are becoming stronger. So we have a sense that we've seen some of that today you know it's it's equivocal at at times but it does appear as as though uh, you know the warmer climate had we had um, storms um, 50 years ago that had the basic characteristics or or formative characteristics of the ones we've had today they may not have gotten as strong um, and that's due to the warmer climate we've also definitely had sea level rise and so, you know, what sea level rise does is it simply means the baseline, the, 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 the non-disturbed, the normal level of the water gets higher and higher each year. And so it takes less of a push, less of a storm to push it onto land. And there have been some interesting studies done that showed that, you know, that a storm 50 years ago that might have hit New York City once every 100 years, the damage that, that happened from a storm like that, Today, with sea level rise, is, is likely to do that same damage once every 20 years. And it's just because sea level has come up enough to make it that much more vulnerable. So it's both. It's way more things in the way. And the hazard itself, the storms and combined with the sea level rise, mean that areas
0: are now more susceptible than they were. So then what are some of the tactics to protect an area from the storm surge? Well, they're varied. What ideally one does
1: is rely on the natural features of the, sh- of the shoreline to provide some level of protection. One of the most effective natural features, at least to some extent, is the dune line that runs along many beaches. And most of the dune lines in at least the East and Gulf Coast aren't really natural anymore. They've been engineered one way or another. But the presence of a healthy beach and a significant dune line is kind of the first level of defense. So a lot of money goes into what they call beach nourishment, which is dredging sand and placing it on the beach so as to have a, a good uh, healthy beach and and a dune line behind it. So that's certainly one widely used way to try to uh, protect an area. There's another way to do it. At sort of at the at the other end of that spectrum is you know building walls, building. Earthen levees and, and, and concrete walls, for example, like what is around New Orleans. You know, those are obviously those are much more expensive and, and much more long lasting, if you will. And New Orleans, in the case of New Orleans, there's not much other choice given how much of it is below sea level to start with. And then there are other strategies. Uh, adaptation, which is, means, you know, either not building in an area that's high risk uh, for storm surge or Um, leaving an area that has proven to be too risky to want to build in, or simply building homes that are elevated. And if you go to various areas that are very close to sea level and subject to uh, storms, you'll see oftentimes that homes are up on pilings, and they may well be 10, 12 feet in the air at times. And we have examples of that along the North
0: Carolina coast as well as
1: other parts of, uh, of the coast.
0: So far this year, it's been a pretty quiet hurricane season, but we're still several months away from the season being over. Putting on your meteorologist hat for a second here, what's the rest of the hurricane season look like? What's our forecast? In passing, it looks like it's kind of what they call an average year,
1: at least if you listen to NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's forecasts. And I think that's largely to do with the El Nino La Nina process, which is an oceanic process which involves warming in the equatorial Pacific. During El Nino, the you know basically the Pacific Ocean off of the coast of South America warms up. And when that happens, it sets up large-scale wind patterns, and those wind patterns tend to be detrimental to the formation of hurricanes in the Atlantic Basin. So even though that's a Pacific Basin phenomena, they tend to blow across the, you know, Central America, in particular in South America, and when they encounter hurricanes that have maybe formed in the, in the Atlantic, they, sh- they cause them to shear. So they cause them to break apart. A strong El Nino year is, tends to be a very low hurricane activity year, and last year was a strong El Nino year. We're back right now to a, almost what they consider to be neutral, so no El Nino la nina is the counterpart to el nino so whereas el nino is warm water along the south american coast la nina is cold water along the south american coast in that case the wind patterns are actually favorable to the formation of hurricanes so as i mentioned last year we were in an el nino which tends to be unfavorable to hurricanes and we really had a a low activity right now we seem to be back to neutral Thus, probably as forecast of kind of an average year. But what we're not quite clear about is whether we're going to swing into a La Nina phase. And if we do swing into a La Nina phase, say in the fall, then that could be conducive to above normal activity of storms. So even though these hurricanes start out as atmospheric phenomena, they're, they're greatly influenced by the ocean. And what one of the things we've learned over the last couple of decades is just how tightly coupled the ocean and the atmosphere are in determining our weather and determining these severe storms and, and ultimately determining the, the risk and hazard that we have living on the coast.
0: Thanks for listening to the podcast today. And don't forget to check back to unc.edu in two weeks for another episode of Well Said.